we become oppressed by our fixation on our body. And when I am spending all my time worrying about my leg or my abdomen or a number on a scale, I'm actually not living a full and vibrant life. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging, Here's How You Do It. Many of my clients tell me that they're stretched too thin with too many demands upon them. They are just worn out. In my brand new webinar, I teach simple and sensible habits that will significantly improve your life now and help you age with vibrance and resilience. But it's important to start now. Don't wait until your body's distress signals go from a whisper to a scream. If you followed me at all, you know I'm not about restrictive diets or boot camps. I believe life can be challenging enough. Let's appreciate our bodies and minds for the miraculous systems they are and take the time to take care of ourselves. Self-care pays big dividends now and in the future. And being well ourselves is the only way we can help those we love. And if you sign up now, I will send you my super zestful aging checklist, which I designed so you have clear guidelines right at your fingertips. The webinar is free. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. Today we're speaking with Migret Fletcher. She's the co-founder of the Center for Mindful Eating and co-author of Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat with Diabetes. This unique book explores two of Migret's passions, mindful eating and diabetes care. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today because obviously the word mindfulness is getting tossed around quite a bit. And I think you, you might agree with me. It's become kind of a buzzword. I got a, um, a conference invitation the other day, you know, those little uh, postcards you get, and it was for mindful anger. And I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. It's, it's sort of spreading <laughs> to all parts of society. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering if you can give us your definition of mindful eating. Sure. So, um, I think there's a lot of different ways to approach mindfulness. So definitely attention. So we want to bring attention to what we're doing. But I don't think that that's enough. So we want to bring our intention mm -hmm. to what we're doing. So our attention and our intention. So what's our ultimate purpose for being aware? And that when we think about our intention, 
it has an absolute regard for our own self and self-care and self-compassion. So it starts with regard for ourselves. So our intention is self-kindness. And that self-kindness would extend not just to ourselves, but to all beings, you know, so we can keep drilling down a little bit further. So mindful eating, attention and intention with the purpose for self-care and self-kindness in a loving or compassionate way. Mm-hmm. It sounds like some of those pieces uh, might be s- some overlap with some Buddhist principles. They So mindfulness and mindful eating are kind of Buddhism without the religion. So it's the the secular kind of part of it, the conceptual piece. And some individuals choose to bring Buddhist philosophy in, but there's also Christian philosophy, um, Jewish philosophy. Um, I've spoken with some of my Muslim friends and they'll say, nope. So I always try to remind everyone that the Buddha didn't discover the present moment. Hmm. It was here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he just talked a lot about it. Um, But again, as we drill into any um, spiritual practice, we're going to see that they're all based in kindness and compassion and Mm self-regard. Yeah, that really brings it out to the bigger world. It's not just about, am I hungry or do I need another serving of dinner? It's it's a much deeper practice. And so you co-founded the Center for Mindful Eating. Tell me a little bit about what you do there. So the Center for Mindful Eating started as a kind of an idea, just a little seed. And I, you know, sometimes I'm sure you've had this experience where you have this thought and then life just seems to say, no, you got to keep going. You got to keep doing this. So I had this thought. Um, I mentioned it to a friend. She said, oh, you should call this other person. And soon three experts were sitting around a kitchen table thinking, I think it's a good idea to start a, a center. And then those three experts, Jean Cristela, Damacherini, Amala, and myself said, well, who do you know? And we reached out and soon the Center for Mindful Eating had really um, gotten the attention of the mindfulness experts that were available in 2005, which they, again, a lot smaller. Um, but it was just really interesting how quickly that cohesion formed. And now, fast forward more than 10 years later, we are talking about researching mindful eating in all of its different ways. There was a big conference about mindful eating in Brazil. Um, We're right now, currently uh, in January, celebrating World Mindful Eating Month. Mm -hmm. So it's um, these are programs that are translated into Spanish, Portuguese, French. Um, We have them being translated into Greek. So we're recognizing we're all hungry to be with our direct experience. And that hunger is not just based in English speaking countries, but all around the world. Oh, that's really interesting. Are It sounds like what you're, you're saying, though, is you're finding that more and more people are, are interested and invested in this. Do you do you have any ideas about why? Why now? Why now? Um, I definitely think technology makes it easier. My kids laugh all the time. Who are you talking to? What country are they in? And 
when I reflect back to when I was a child, A, we didn't have computers, and B, my parents didn't really talk on the phone that much. And so I just think it's really interesting that, you know, I am, yesterday I was on the line with somebody from New Zealand, and we have this ability to reach beyond. So experts that I wouldn't have found 20 years ago, um, I can now Skype them or listen to a podcast and I don't have to just read print. I can mm -hmm. interact with people in, in such um, really unique ways. And it's just, to me, I just feel like the technology has allowed this universal wisdom to just spread um, all over. And I also think there's just more and more evidence as we think about dieting and how it doesn't work mm. um, that people are saying, well, what else could I do to improve my health? I don't want to change my size. I don't want to change my shape. I don't want to think about those futuristic things because they're not going to get me to the present moment. Mm -hmm. What could I do? And that's where I really feel like mindful eating is this amazing opportunity and uh, resource and uh, just a great way to bring compassionate self-care into our daily lives. Mm. Oh, yes. It's funny. I had an experience. I was watching a PBS show of a hydrologist in uh, Arizona. She mm -hmm. uh, is a, a Navajo woman. And at, before the show was over, I was tweeting her Mm -hmm. and saying, would you be on my podcast? And before the show was over, we had already set a time to meet. And so it's like that instantaneous, like, oh, that's something that looks really interesting. Let me figure it out. And there it is, right, you know, within a few minutes. It's, it's, it's really uncanny how the technology can connect us. Um, tell me a little bit about this expertise on diabetes, because it brings in a whole other piece. And uh, as we know, many people are struggling with diabetes. And this seems like it, it, it adds maybe a little bit of a monkey wrench. Um, I, I know my clients get confused about how do I do mindful eating when I have to be very aware of my carbs and my blood sugar and my insulin dosage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And thank you for such a beautiful introduction into kind of my other passion. Mm. Um, so when we think about diabetes or pre-diabetes for that matter, so even just disturbances in our blood sugars, if we start with that compassion, so think about your body, think about all your body is trying to do. And we turn around and we say, this is a vessel that I love and care about. So let's start in that space. And this vessel is trying as hard as it can to give you energy, but it lacks a hormone, that hormone insulin. It's just not really working right. So when we come from that place of compassion, so many opportunities open up. First, we can let go of judgment, which I think is exquisitely helpful. I'm not coming at this with an anger or resentment towards my body. It's broken. Mm. I'm frustrated. Mm. 
What's wrong with me? Oh, my goodness. I'm coming from a place of friend. How are you? How can I help you? And that opens up a lot more possibilities, a lot more opportunities to ask compassionately, body, my bestest body, my, my only body, how can I work with you? Now, I want to tell you, and I know you have this experience, too, is when I speak with people who are hating their body, um, to talk about compassion, it sounds like to them I'm speaking a language they simply don't understand. They look at me like... I don't even know what that means. I It's so far removed from my experience. I can't even imagine it. Sometimes I start with, can you even imagine not wanting to whip your body into shape? And sometimes I, I have a memory of a, a client who just said, no, I can't. Where do you start? Just by doing what you did. Let's just imagine what that would look like. And then again, just compassionately asking, well, what are the things that are stopping you? What are the things that are stopping you from being compassionate to yourself? And that's, that's a really, it's just a beautiful, challenging, lonely sometimes journey. And, and we need supports. We need, you know, counseling and loved ones and laughter and memes and curated social media that supports our intentions and we need support and you know I think the work of Dr. Kristen Neff is very helpful for a lot of people I think Tara Brock her work um, around acceptance I think those are helpful I think nature is helpful I think just feeling the warmth of sun on our face or the coolness of the wind What's your mindfulness uh, journey been like uh, yourself? When did you discover how powerful these practices are? So like most people, we seek help when we're suffering. So I was in a place of, of great suffering and, um, and, and reached out and said, you know, I've tried other things and they haven't. I'm still suffering. So they weren't effective. I was still suffering. And I really made the decision to say, okay, I think, I think I'm ready to start meditating. And um, there's a, um, an author, a Buddhist author called uh, Charlotte Joko Beck. And her book, uh, I had picked it up. And I think I don't know, actually, I haven't reread it recently, if it seems this way, but every word on that page kept saying, and I quote, Migrate, you should go meditate. Mm -hmm. And I would read the next paragraph, and it would say, Migrate, you should go meditate. (laughs) And I would read the next paragraph, and it would say, Migrate, you really should go meditate now. And that had a little picture of you. It it did. And and it's like, Migrate, here's a place to learn meditation. And I would turn the page, and it would say, no, 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 you should call now, Migra. And, and I was like, this is so strange that this book has my name in it. We call that ideas of reference in, our, in my field. <laughs> but I get your point. It was clobbering you over the head. Oh, my gosh. And I remember thinking to myself, this, this book, it's just crazy. And so 
believe it or not, by about page six, <laughs> I thought she might be onto something, you know, maybe I should go meditate. And um, long story short, it helped. And a uh, shorter story, even shorter, I was terrible at it. Still am. I'm still terrible at it. If I compare myself. Now, if I compare or reference how far I've come, I'm amazing. I'm a rock star. But if I look at, you know, somebody else like Technaha, the Dalai Lama, or, oh, you know, oh, only them, uh, you know, or, yeah. or, or any of your other guests that meditate on a regular basis, I'm awful. I'm wretched. I'm oh. incompetent. Which means what? You start like <laughs> making your grocery list when you're trying to have a moment of quiet. What does it mean to be awful at meditation? So that's a really good question. And, you know, my younger self would have a very different answer than my older self. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say that it changes um, where we are. And again, my intention. So mm. my younger self, when I had small children running around and, you know, uh, was in a very different life experience than I am now as an older being, um, I would say my younger self, my greatest intention was just to have some act of self-care. So meditation was kind of like my, this is how I'm going to take care of myself. You know, I, I do remember I, I determined to floss my teeth and meditate. And if I could get those two things in, you know, I was like, I am doing okay. Uh, so... It was a low bar, and I met it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think I think that's that's excellent. I was just thinking about when I feel like I'm failing at meditation. I'm sitting, and I have a meditation room. And let me tell you, the heat's not on because I haven't been in there in a while. But I think about sitting there and then thinking to myself, "Wow, I have to vacuum in here." You know, the dust bunny. <laughs> no, no, that's not why you're here. But um, what, so what you're really saying, I think, is the mindful eating is wonderful, knowing about diabetes is wonderful, but you're talking about a major transformative experience, really from the bottom up. You're not talking about skills to help your, a, is it A1C mm -hmm. or, yeah, mm -hmm. it's not like, okay, next week we're going to try to do this and that. You're really, you're really uh, going big here. Or, you know, starting at the foundation. So we could think of it as big, or yeah. we can think about it as self-compassion and self-care is the foundation by which we then build successful change. Uh -huh. So I know that it may feel like a big concept because in our society, our society is so weight-centric. Mm -hmm. It's so, you know, like tricking us and, and, and trying to sneak things in it's deceptive mm -hmm. and so we're yeah doing the big thing but it makes total sense it's the obvious thing that if but we... it's it's a slower growth curve right i mean you're not saying hey do keto and lose 30 pounds and you know in, in three weeks you're saying let's start at the foundation and it's you know you're talking about sort of drip by drip how this is going to look i mean or do you or do you think differently 
I, I definitely feel like it's a foundation, but the keto diets and any nameless diet that is, is temporary does not provide a solution for a chronic illness. You never, diabetes is a chronic illness. And, and this is a hard concept for people to get across. And so right now I'm working with some larger organizations to talk about, um, we call it diabetes distress, but it's burnout where we just don't flip and care anymore. Mm. And when we talk about burnout and we talk about distress, one of the things that's really hard is to understand and get our head around a chronic illness versus an acute illness. So the thinking around an acute illness is when I get better, I can return to my previous life. I that's see. the thinking. Right. A chronic illness is this is my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How can I be in this life? And so this approach is really turning around saying compassionately, how can I be in this body that is now struggling with changes in blood sugars, mm -hmm. changes in how I interface with healthcare, how I interface with my family, those relationships that we have, are they healthy, healing, uh, relationships or do I need to modify those as well we're looking at creating a sustainable compassionate approach to health and that isn't simple or fast mm -hmm. it is a, a practice and we look at that in that in that process of saying I could be overwhelmed or I could start by just saying you know, it's hard right now being me, and that's okay. Tomorrow it will probably be hard being me, and that's okay too. But, you know, if I practice being with myself, mm -hmm. I bet you by the third day it'll feel a heck of a lot more familiar. Mm -hmm. And by the fifth day, tenth day, I might have some ideas about how I can be with myself in a way that's more enjoyable because... As I'm with my discomfort, as I'm with my, my um, unease, mm -hmm. as I'm with my concerns, as I just sit with them, that wisdom, that inner, you know, if I move a little bit, if I tried this, maybe I could bring a snack with me. You know, I've got a question. We, we start generating ideas. We start... Mm -hmm advocating for ourselves it's a whole different equation I, the the term i love and i don't know who to credit this to and i'm sure you've heard it but the idea of benevolent self-interest oh and let's just toss in a curiosity mm, <laughs> so mm. a curious benevolent self-interest mm -hmm. perfect perfect so, I'm I'm a patient who just went to the doctor in New Hampshire where you are oh, and you. let's say uh, in my some of my old stomping grounds and let's say the doctor says yeah you're you know I'm a little concerned you're pre-diabetic things are not looking so great uh, and here's a referral so I come into your office and I say you know the doctor sent me and 
Um, uh, it's starting to look like I'm getting closer to being diabetic. I don't know how to eat. I don't know what to do. What are the kinds of steps that you take with your, your clients or patients? Mm. So what's worked in the past? Mm. So we all are just a treasure trove of tools. We, we're like the Home Depot of self-help, <laughs> you know. But you don't remember that you learned the tool because we, we're so focused in on the concern that we forget all the resources that we have. So, you know, we could just kind of pause and turn around and say, well, what's worked in the past? Mm -hmm. You know, and as you reflect and say, well, you know, this worked and that worked and I tried that and that was helpful. Pretty much 90% uh, of my patients have at least three awesome tools in their toolbox mm. that would really help them. And so I might say, well, it's much better. I was actually had a client uh, come in yesterday and she's post-bariatric surgery and, and we know how that goes <laughs> but you know she had gone swimming done errands had not brought uh she did not bring a snack with her so here she is she she went to the y she did her stuff and she ran into the store to pick up some milk or something and lo and behold there's the nutella and the pretzels at the checkout and she's starving and so she eats those and then she comes in saying she's a bad girl. She knows it's not good for her. It's all sugar. What was she thinking? And, you know, so we had to unpack that about, of course you did because you were starving and your body always wins. Um, talking and she came up with, I really need to bring a snack. And so is that the kind of thing? Perfect. Kind of, yeah. Perfect. And so you might say, what are the things that are stopping me from bringing a snack? Mm. And a lot of times it's our belief and our thinking, and this is that diet culture thinking, that eating is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so particularly somebody who has a lot of training in diet culture, thinking about nourishing themselves mm -hmm. compassionately, Allowing hunger to be present in our lives. Really turning around seeing hunger as a positive thing. Hey, it is my body's way of letting me know the fuel is on E. The mm. fuel, there's no it's more. It's working. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> it's working. And mm. so diet culture, our training in diet culture is eating is bad. Eating is wrong. Hunger is bad. Hunger is something I need to control, limit, restrict. And so... We start with compassion and we say, my body's really smart. My body's really wise. I may not always speak, you know, um, a migrant. I may not always speak, you know, my body's language. So I'm going to learn it and I'm going to hear it and I'm going to give it permission to need. I'm going to give it permission to take up space. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it permission to talk to me and I'm going to listen going to give my body permission. And, you know, I think that piece of just saying, ah, I really need to bring a snack with me. Mm -hmm. What would be the advantage of bringing a snack? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't run in and buy Nutella. Mm -hmm. Any other advantages? And people would say, you know, no, you know, there, uh, there's, you know, there are no disadvantages 
to doing it. There's only advantages. Mm. And so... Yeah, I love the way you're not giving them the food pyramid, which I'm sure we could have a whole other episode on and say, you know, two points here, two carbs there, one this, one that. You're really handing it back to them mm. and their their own body wisdom. Yes. Yes. Your body is wise. Mm. It's really wise. And, and when our body talks to us and we don't understand, if we can just give ourselves permission to not know, that's okay. And so we had talked about the foundation of the Center for Mindful Eating. One of the kind of founding fathers of the Center for Mindful Eating is a woman by the name of Char Wilkins. And Char, I remember, I was a much younger person when we started this. And I didn't really understand sometimes my body would say, uh, you're experiencing something. And I'd be like, well, what exactly is it that I'm experiencing? Is it hunger? Is it fullness? It said, yeah, I'm not actually going to tell you. <laughs> and, <laughs> keep and guessing. Then, <laughs> keep guessing. And I was like, what do I do? And of course, my training is I'm wrong. I'm broken. I'm defective. I've screwed up. So that's my mental training. And there's Char saying, isn't that interesting? And I went, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, that's and, funny. And she goes, isn't that interesting? And I said, what? She goes, everything. And I'm like, what? She goes, well, you know, and she's breaking down my, you know, negative thought process. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that you're not sure? Isn't it interesting that you want an answer? Isn't it interesting that you were, you know, your impatience is really painful for you? Isn't oh, that interesting? Wow. 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 Becoming an observer. Yeah. And, and that curiosity. Do you ever, I, I'm always curious for people in doing these, this kind of work, um, of course, we're inundated, of course, we're inundated with messages uh, that are trickery, and that see, you know, they're even borrowing now body positive kind of uh, terminology to, to sell Weight Watchers and, and all of this. How do you deal with that um, so sort of societal message that you know is harmful and unhealthy. Mm. How do you how do you be in this world surrounded by messages that you know are trying to trick people in order to make money? Mm. Yeah, that's I don't have a great answer there. Mm. So mm -hmm. I wish I did. Um, I I ultimately think that people are trying to be kind and helpful, mm. even if they're doing things that are maybe not kind. I think sometimes, you know, that expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm -hmm. It's it's really true. Um, and I, the part that I would go back to is, you know, it is a teaching from Buddhism, which is um, use your own wisdom. You know, if this doesn't really feel right, it's probably not right. If this doesn't really feel kind, it's probably not kind. Mm 
So be your own inner, you know, barometer and use your own judgment to say, you know, hmm, is this benefiting somebody else? Because that to me is who gets the money? Mm-hmm. That to me is always my favorite question. Who is benefiting from me doing this path uh-huh. financially? And then what? who is benefiting from me spending all my time trying to manipulate and change my body? Mm-hmm. Is it, um, is it, you know, because that's, that's a form of, you know, um, we, we become oppressed by our fixation on our body. And when I am spending all my time worrying about my leg or my abdomen or a number on a scale, I'm actually not living a full and vibrant life. That's right. That's right. I mean, I just think about all the wasted talent and wasted gifts that are, are, they're just not being used because as I say, you know, people come in and they're so worried if they had a donut. And I'm like, you're writing this amazing book or contributing or are thoughtful or, you know, but it's all about the donut. Right, right. It's a distraction. Mm -hmm. And so kind of going back, bringing this full circle, when we think about mindfulness and we think about mindful eating, it's recognizing and seeing the distractions that are keeping us from our larger, more precious intention. And that larger and more precious intention, I don't know what that is for the listeners here, but it does require us to be kind to our body. And for us to live the life that we want, we want to nourish and nurture our body compassionately. Even if our body is struggling with elevated blood sugars, even if our body is trying to acclimate to new medications, even if our body is turning around saying, hey, you know, going to the gym or, you know, recovering from X procedure, even if those are present, we're still caring for our body so we can live the life that we want. And 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 the biochemistry, of course, is that caring and nurturing for your body helps the whole system. It does. And the reality is taking time to care for yourself does take time. Ah. And that, to me, is ultimately the message that isn't being talked about, which is I imagine that self-care is fast, and it's really not. And I imagine that I can cut corners. Do I really want to do that? Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine that it's easy for everyone else. But is that really true? And I imagine that self-care is always going to be clear. But I would challenge you on that. When we're a mom, what looks like self-care looks different than when we're kind of in the height of our career. And when we're later in our career, self-care looks different. It always changes. It's a dynamic situation. And being with a dynamic situation also takes time to kind of ground ourselves and kind of get our bearings a little bit more. It's so interesting because, you know, you'll get these like five ways to take care of yourself, but you can do laundry in a way that's really self-caring. You know, it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to go get, you know, uh, a manicure or something. Um, 
I think what you're saying is it's different for everyone. And it really is, again, back to the intention. How am I doing this? Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's, I think that uh, our listeners will want to hear so much more. You're talking about things that are so important. Um, And so I'd like to ask you how they can learn more about your work and, um, and the book. Oh, thank you so much. So um, the book, you can learn more about eat what you love, love what you eat with diabetes. Um, It's available through, you know, Amazon and your local retailers. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can get it online or in stores. And um, Dr. Michelle May, uh, she has a website called Am I Hungry? Mm -hmm. And if you go to that website, there are a lot of resources Mm -hmm. you can click on. Um, so there's just a lot. We also have an online. So I know that not everyone has access to a weight neutral diabetes program. So we have an online program that individuals can go to and that's um, self-paced. So you go and you learn. You can read the book. You can do the online program. There are also professionals that have been trained by um, Dr. May and myself. And those professionals, you can um, work with them online. There's a coaching program. So kind of creating this support system to start building the foundations that allow us to change um, and make that change uh, sustainable. Those are available at amihungry.com. Okay. Okay. And then um, if people wanted to meet with you or find out more about your work in particular, where could they find you? So I work with professionals and I am the kind of train the trainer type person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and my interest in my life has taken me down the research path. So I'm now really focusing on kind of getting evidence-based research to say that um, we need to shift our thinking around health and how can we do that? And I'm very grateful that um, scholars from around the world are, are assisting in that ah. pursuit. Mm-hmm. So um, the Am I Hungry program is really for the consumer, okay. for the professionals and those that like to read delightfully dry research that I write. <laughs> Google my name and you okay. will have page after page of what I call yes, Salmonex in print. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to write it that way. Otherwise, they don't they won't publish it, right? It's it's so my kids, it's very funny, because I've written a number of books, I've written five books. And people say, Oh, I wonder, you know, have I read any of them? And I say, Oh, gosh, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) It does. You know, there's, there's such a a, a, a difference, I think, between what you're saying your writing is and, and the passion mm. in your voice and the, and the passion about the subject. Um, it just really comes through your love for this and, your, you know, how it really gives you meaning. It, it does. It gives me meaning. And my focus right now is to gather the evidence so we can have a cultural shift mm-hmm. and really know with a lot of certainty that kindness begins with you ah that's a that's a beautiful title kindness begins with you i love that 
Migret, thank you so much for your time today. I, it's so wonderful to talk to you and hear about, you know, not only sort of the particulars, but the real foundations of of how we can change our relationship with food. I just think it's so vitally important and something that people are asking about all the time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash Zestful Aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.